The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. I'm glad you're here with us, whether you're uh, live here, which is great. I'm so glad you're here. You're watching online. Welcome. Hello, online. Uh, I like you. That's weird. Sorry. But they do. They listen online. Uh, I want to give you a fast confession this morning. I, uh, at times, I am a petty man. Okay? Uh, at times. Not always. I don't live a petty life, but at times, I'm a petty man. And so are you. The difference is that I have a microphone and you don't. So I'm going to share this little bit of pettiness. Uh, the reason we're here today is Jesus Christ. And we come in, and some of us come in with reason to celebrate. And some of us come in with need to confess. So, of course, I'm talking about the Michigan-Michigan State game. <laughs> and the Michigan State fans who have been rubbing it in ruthlessly justifiably at me for all of these years, go blue. <laughs> I am a petty man. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Uh, we, we're in the uh, Gospel of Mark. The time has come in this series. We do have a very interesting uh, uh, bit of scripture to go through, and it teaches us a huge amount about how to follow Jesus, about how to have a correct heart. Uh, so before we begin, this is going to be not intense, but it's a little bit of a call out for all of us, myself included. So if I'm in a mood where it seems like I'm calling you out, I'm not. I'm calling us out just as Jesus would. Uh, and we're always calling out our heart. So let's pray first. Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that uh, transforms us into what we couldn't do on our own. We didn't know what love was until you showed us what love was. We didn't know how to love until we accepted your love for us, your unconditional, perfect, wonderful love. When in Scripture, Father, you point out these little bits, there's no wasted words. May we not have the heart of arrogance. May we not have a heart of this doesn't apply to me. May we have a heart that uh, softens. May we have a heart that challenges because your word for us is for the glory of God and for our joy. In your blessed name, amen. All right, let's get to scripture. We are in uh, Mark chapter 2, and we're going to begin at verse uh, 18. So if you have a Bible, open it up. Uh, if you've got uh, a device, open it up, whatever. Or if not, we'll have the words on screen. Uh, and if you don't like to read, just listen. So that covers all of us. Verse 18. Now, John's disciples, John was in the uh, first chapter. He's the one who baptized Jesus and pointed the way for Jesus. And he had disciples. And so now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came to 
and said to him, that's Jesus, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Easy, logical question, right? So imagine me there. I'm asking the question, hey, how come you guys aren't fasting when those guys are? What's the difference? Here comes the reply. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. Tim is now scratching his head. Verse 20, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away. I have no clue, as Tim, at that time, what that means. See, this is pre-scripture. This is pre-death, pre-resurrection, pre-defeating Satan's sin and death. I don't know what he's talking about. So verse 21, it says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it and the new from the old, and the, a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine will be destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. So I'm now walking back to my friends, going, I don't know. I don't, really, I ask about fasting. We got about wine, right? We got about cloth. Uh, I am confused. Now, it's very simple. What he's saying is this what I'm bringing is completely new, it's a new thing. And his examples all point to that, except the wedding portion. Because what he's hinting at is he's the groom, and we are the bride. That's what he's hinting at. He's here, don't fast. He's here, you don't have to worry about the old laws. We're going to start worrying about a new law. So that's what he's implying. Verse 23. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look. Now, it's the Pharisees. It's not just people. The Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him. Verse 26, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. It's beginning to ramp up a little bit. The Pharisees, the religious people, religious people, the religious people, that's us. That's the people that went to church at that time. That's the people uh, going to the synagogue and following the rules are now asking them questions. And they say, why are they doing what is not lawful? So they're walking through and they're picking little heads of grain and popping them in their mouth. I can imagine that, you know, kind of cruising along. I don't know what that would taste like. 
necessarily, but having convo with Jesus. And the Pharisees are watching, and when they pick, they come up, and they question Jesus. Why are they doing what is not lawful? We just learned in the previous little bit that he's ushering in something new. This portion, however, he makes a statement about Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. You, us, we, me. Not man for the Sabbath. So he, Jesus, is Lord over even Sabbath. He gets to write new rules. On to chapter 3. Again, he entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. So that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, the Pharisees, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. Pay attention to verse 5. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees, the religious ones, went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. This is drama. This is really happening. This is a portion of Jesus' life uh, that we love sometimes to, you know, keep the model, the picture of hippie Jesus so that it's all love and beads and coolness. And conflict is happening. The conflict is with religious people. There are three different types of conflicts that happen. And, and they're all about rules, rules, rules. And the Pharisees are very convicted in their rules. They believe that they are right. They believe it so much so that their hearts are hard and they refuse to listen to any other option. So imagine this man, Jesus, giving the examples of cloth. Do you guys know that clothes shrink? You get... Okay, I do. When you have arms like mine, get that? I can't buy shirts that don't show that, so I always have to stand like this. So he gives an example that we can relate to. He gives a, a, an example about the wines and this, uh, how it's going to blow up if you put new wine into an old wine skin. And uh, he's talking about the, at, the, at the wedding feast, that's not the time. Why would you ever fast at a wedding? That, that's incongruous. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, one thing doesn't belong with the other is what he's saying about fasting. And then, you know, we get to uh, the second example when they're walking and it's just a practicality. I mean, how awesome would it be to be walking with Christ the Savior, to be one of his followers, to be one that he said, hey, you, follow me. And you're there, and others are coming along. And just the casualness of walking on a Sabbath day. I picture the weather as being perfect, of course, like northern Michigan. Like when you woke up this morning, 
was perfect. And just kind of plucking and talking, and there's a, there's a friendliness, there's an acceptance, there's a part of the group, and there's a little hovering crowd watching, waiting to point. Then we get to the third one with a man with a withered hand, and the man with the withered hand, if you have a withered hand, I'm sorry, those are called defects, defects, something happens and we don't know why, it isn't caused by sin, it's something else, it's caused by we live in a sinful world. So this hand, uh, I would have to imagine, like in today's world, if you had a withered hand and everybody takes pictures and selfies and whatnot, uh, that your hand's going to be hidden because there's a level of embarrassment. Even though you didn't cause it, it doesn't fit. And you don't feel secure about that. You're probably not going to be worshiping like this. You're going to be worshiping like this. So I can picture this guy with the withered hand and Jesus calls him over and he's heard the stories. He's in the synagogue. And it's got to be a weird thought process of saying, okay, maybe he'll heal my hand. Oh, wait, but it's Sabbath. Now, Jesus does something very intentional. He picks a fight at the appropriate time. He picks a fight so people can begin to understand that there really is something different about this man. So he calls him over, and he says to him, stretch out your hand. You can easily flip past that. He doesn't say stretch out your arm. He doesn't say lean down. He says stretch out your hand. He couldn't stretch out his hand. It was withered, but he did, and it was healed. It wasn't his great faith. It wasn't because he's such a cool dude. It wasn't because he suffered so long. It's because Jesus loved him, and Jesus is about changed lives. That's what he's about, amen? He's about changed lives. And so he's picking this fight with the religious people, and we go to the moment in that story that is so profound, and it is so intense, and I so don't want to be religious. Because they were watching, and when he asked them the question, is it okay to do good on Sunday? Is it okay to save a life on a Sunday? Is that okay? Because we like to equate Sabbath with Sunday. So I'm just making it practical. And they didn't answer him because they couldn't. It was a trap and they knew it. So they were silent. And Jesus got angry. Now, I don't get angry without sinning. Jesus does. This is one of the few times it shows him being angry. He's grieved at the hardness of their heart. They're so stone-cold hard that as soon as Jesus performs the miracle, they slip out the door and they go meet with this group called the Herodians who the Pharisees hate. The Herodians, they're the Jews that have decided to be on Herod's side, to be Jew-lite, because they want a political power. They went out and they met with him about how to destroy Jesus. So the title of this is uh, How to Not Be a Destroyer. 
right? How to not be a destroyer. Another title for this, for me, when I'm reading this is, you know, thinking about my childhood and growing up in a church and with a father as a pastor. And uh, I, I love my, my mom and my dad, and I loved what they taught me, and it was all good. But the churches are filled back in the day with rules, rules, rules. And rules, rules, rules drive me crazy, crazy, crazy. And I've also got that little bit of a, uh, a little boy prideful mindset that if you tell me you can't, I do. And that's not healthy for me. I can remember being in T1 and being set up and church lets out and it's the last service and there's a couple kids left behind playing because their parents had been serving and it was awesome and the kids are running on the chairs and I'm watching them and the parents come in and they're embarrassed get down what are you doing running on the furniture and I'm like no let them that's the coolest thing on the planet I mean when you're a little kid and you come in it's like all the adults are gone let's wreck stuff that's what they do right the rules drove me crazy Three conflicts, and all three conflicts involve religious people. And they're destroying the work of Christ to the very best of their ability. So what does that have to do with us? Uh, This is where you in the audience begin to pray like crazy. Tim, be nice. Tim, be nice. Tim, be nice. I will. There are certain little things that happen within a congregation uh, sometimes we have the opportunity to really learn, and we can learn in uh, like a really intense way. If you were at Fight Club uh, this this last week, uh, this incredibly godly man who understands Scripture better than any of us here ever will uh, laid down complete, inerrant truth about how to be a man. And there was a point when he screamed at us, and he was calling us out because it's how men need to talk to men. And sometimes when we get really passive and politically correct, we forget these little things, these little habits, these little things that uh, destroy. They destroy relationships and marriages and churches and groups and prayer. And pointing to Jesus is what it does. So let's go really Tim Light. Okay. uh, We've been talking about uh, the possibility of going to three services. We're going to go to three services because we hit the 80% rule. The 80% rule is always correct. Uh, You plateau at growth. The reason that we want to continue to grow is because that means more changed lives. That's why we want to grow. So we may go to another service. If we go to another service sometime, there's going to be this thing uh, that will pop up. It'll be an issue. Uh, And it's called parking. Uh, We don't have like a Meyer parking lot. We have a tabernacle parking lot and the time between services will be quicker and you will pull in uh if you go to the first the second or the third uh and let's say you get here just a tiny bit late and there's a place really close and there's a place really far which are you going to take some of us feel entitled that i get this close place because i'm a member Eh, member doesn't have its privileges membership has its ability to serve. So you could choose, and God still loves you, and so do I, and I'm not going to be there watching, yes, I will, (laughs) of who's who and where you park, but the the hard-hearted religious person is going to go, I've been coming for a long time, and I put a lot of money in the bucket, and really that's how it should be. I'm going to take this spot. 
That's a choice. That's a choice. But if we allow Jesus to be in charge for a minute, if we allow Jesus to be in charge for a minute, things are going to change. Jesus is going to go take the fireplace so that the newcomer can have a closer place to park. Uh, Maybe take up a couple more offerings and build a bigger parking lot. What's the matter with you northern Michigan leaders? You know, maybe that, I don't know. But maybe it's this. Maybe you come in. Now, I'm, I'm going to spend a minute looking down, okay? And, and I'm not looking at anybody. Uh, so the second row, please don't take any offense to this, okay? The second row. You guys are first. That's the second. But I watch this on a regular basis. And uh, people come in and they, they sit down and, and they get their seat. And often what I'll find is people will come in and the first 40 people that come in take the outside seat. Uh, and then God is drawing people here uh, and he's wanting them to uh, hear his word and to feel his love. He wants them to be in a place where they're pointed to Jesus Christ. And uh, it starts to fill up. And it's getting more awkward and it's harder for the ushers to find a seed. And they're tired of coming up and going, would you move? And they go, no. Uh, and, and then people come and, and suddenly they, they, they want a place to sit. Well, what, what if, what if that's a new person? And they're taking a risk for the first time and nobody met them at the door. They didn't have a friend to come with. For whatever reason, they decided to come. And they're awkward. They don't know church They don't know how to do church. They feel like they stand out. They're actually in fear. And then the seating is a huge issue, and they're standing there trying to figure out where to go, and we don't move. That's a problem. That's a religious person. That's that's my seat. I always sit there. In fact, I can tell you some of you have seats that uh, actually have a permanent print of your (laughs) you-know-what because you refuse to sit anywhere else. That's what a religious person does. If Jesus is in charge for a minute, right, it's going to change. If Jesus is in charge, which he is, then fasting doesn't have to be the way the Pharisees said. He doesn't say fasting is bad. Fasting isn't bad. It's biblical and it's A-OK. It's also personal and private. If we let Jesus be in charge, then you don't have to do things my way, and I don't have to do things your way. Now, there are truths that we will fight about, the big rocks of faith, but we love to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. We love to let Jesus be in charge for a minute. That means I'm going to trust you with your actions. Second thing is we always have to remember the why. Why? So why is seating an issue? When you reach the 80% plateau, people come in and there's two thoughts they have. If if it's uh, 80% or fuller, the unconscious thought is they don't need me. If they come into a church and it's 40% or less, they go, what's wrong with those people? For real, the studies are done. We don't want to argue with those studies. And it's a reality. And every time we've taken the risk... And move forward, God is blessed with growth. Growth isn't about numbers. 
Instead, it's all about numbers. Because every number represents a changed life or a potential changed life. That's why. Do you really think that John and I, on occasion, go, Hey, life isn't busy enough. Let's add a service. (laughs) God gives us the strength. And I'll, I'll, I'll preach 12 times. I don't care. I can do that. Maybe not all that well, but I will if that's what it takes, if that's what God wants us. So if Jesus is in charge and I'm remembering the why, I don't get to whine or complain. I don't get to whine or complain. Now the next one is probably going to make somebody angry. But I got to say it. I do get tired of hearing complaints about video. I do. I mean, if you got a complaint and it's about the quality or how we could make it better, I really want to talk to you. Uh, but if you got a problem when it's a video here, I'm going to tell you, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you to look at your heart, not at what we can do. Because what we're asking us to do is something that at this point in our uh, staffing, it's impossible for us to preach live every Sunday at every service. It's not physically possible. And when we do a video, if you can get over ourselves for a minute, do you realize that the other person that you're not seeing there is there in Manistee? And they're preaching to you there. And they're teaching a lesson that everybody is equally valuable And that we need to establish community there. We're one church in two locations. Sometimes we can feel disconnected is the word I've heard most when a live person is on stage. I don't have that problem. Uh, When I'm watching a great comedian, it's always on a screen. And I still laugh out loud. When I'm watching a movie, and it's a tearjerker, and it's wrecking me, and the tears are coming. I'm not watching it live. I'm watching it on a screen. In fact, I pay money to go do that. It's about change lives. It's about building community. And when we miss the why, we become religious. Jesus' serious fights in Scripture are with religious people. Always. Read it. It's in a book. The last thing, to not be a destroyer, to get past the rules, 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 is to keep your heart soft. Keep your heart soft. How to do that is almost indescribable. Because to keep your heart soft, number one, you have to be able to admit you're wrong. Don't you just love that? How many of you here absolutely love it when you know and have been pointed out completely, emphatically, 100% that you are wrong? Don't you just love that moment? (laughs) Right? We struggle with that, and sometimes we will struggle so much and we get our identity from being right rather than our identity through Christ. There's going to come a moment when we stand before God 
And he's going to see us through the eyes of Jesus Christ. That's the only way it works. He doesn't care if you're right. He doesn't. We've got this uh, ginormous opportunity with the big give coming up. And uh, I, I get so excited because God just like blows my expectations out of the water every year. And I'm almost cringing. It's like, oh, people hate it when we talk about money. They don't like me then. And it's really important that you like me. It is, you know, in my weird, twisted little world. And you too. But I like, I just, it isn't like I hide my head in shame. It's just like, oh, only if I have to. I really want to have that part of my heart soften so it changes from I have to to I get to. I get to offer an opportunity. And the big give has just been stunning because I, my mind goes small while well, we'll get this much. And we always get this much. And here's what happens with the money. is It's completely opposite of the religious people. The man with a withered hand had a life change. And the religious people didn't give a darn about that. That makes me so frustrated to have that written out. And I know there have been times in my life when that's been me. The king of kings still hung on a cross for me. But it took a moment for me to get to a spot where I could be humbled. Not humiliated, but humbled. When my wife and I, who were not hippies, but pretty close, were living together. And then we decided to get married. And my dad was going to perform the ceremony. And he had some rules. And... Uh, you know, in my brilliance, in my humbleness, I said, hey, Dad, if you've got to follow those rules, just don't come. Shame on me for ever saying that to my father. I've been forgiven, and I've had a change of heart, but I had men and women around me who were so trying to reach out and get me to shut up for a moment and listen to the love that they were giving me in a path, and they didn't, they weren't doing it for their own glory. They were doing it because they had been set free from the same thing. The religious people, it's, it's all about my way. It's got to be this. The coffee has to be this temperature. The room has to be this temperature. The check-in has to be this fast. The security has to be that good. The parking lot has to be that clean. That's religion. You've got to fast when I fast, and you've got to pray how I pray, and you've got to give like I give. That's not what Jesus says. He says there's a new thing coming. Remember the wineskins. It's new. New wine, new wineskins. To keep your heart soft. Raise your hand and say, yeah, sometimes I'm wrong. And I'm going to tell you people when we're wrong, And we dig our heels in. It's always because of fear. We're afraid of change. We're afraid of it being different. Man, this isn't the church for you if you want things to stay the same. <laughs> because sometime, I'll tell you, just out of sheer 
not sinfulness, <laughs> we're going to change everything. We're going to change everything for a practical reason. We're going to change everything because it might help one person become a changed life story. One person. There's only one way that you get to have a soft heart. And that's if you take what you've been given by Christ the Savior, if you take that and his healing grace and mercy and love and you give it away. Now, I'm not talking about just like give it away with no boundaries that we all get to go be flamingly codependent and never say no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you've been given truth in your heart and you've been set free from the prison of self-indulgence and everything needing to be my way, and you begin to see a new perspective, you begin to see that Christ built every single one of us exactly how we're supposed to be. And we begin to revel in joy in that, and we give it away. We give it away, and we give it away, and we don't expect anything in return. That's how you get a soft heart. You can't make your heart soft. He can. Sometimes we forget how to do it, we go back to scripture. Or we get in a group. We go to Fight Club, if you're a guy. If you want to find out about Fight Club, go to the hub. You're welcome. We'd love to have you there. There's women's Bible studies happening. There's home groups happening. There's service opportunities all over the place. When you're around like-minded brides of Christ, your heart gets soft. So hear and do. Hear the word, do the word. Hear the word. The word is Christ. Hear Christ and do Christ. We were challenged in Fight Club to be men like Jesus, to be masculine like Jesus. And it changes everything. Hear and do in this context is don't be a destroyer. Be the opposite of that. Be a builder. Be an encourager. Be light in a very, very dark place. Hear and do. Uh, I'm going to ask if you just like chill for a minute. You don't have to bow your head. If that's how you get chilled, find it. You don't have to keep your eyes closed, open, however you do it. But I'm going to challenge you on a couple of things here, okay? In your life, is Jesus really in control? None of us are going to do it perfectly, but overall, in your life, in your decisions, in, in your reactions, in your responses, in what you do in life, is Jesus in control? Or are you? We're control freaks, us humans. That's a challenge. This week, I want you to think about that. I want you to process that. I want you to watch the decisions that you make and see if it has anything about Jesus or if it's all about you. Is it about being a lover of Christ a religious person. I want you to practice softening your heart. Maybe it's to your spouse. Maybe it's to your kids. Maybe it's to employees. Maybe it's to yourself. You know, you can have a hard heart about yourself. You can be forgiven for whatever it is you think you can't. You can be softened. It's a process. Lastly, I really, really, really challenge you to think about the beautiful statement, a 
about the why. Why am I on stage today? Well, so I get a paycheck and I have a yacht and a house and a Mercedes, right? It could be. The real why of the decisions we make as a body of Christ should always be asked about anything we do when we usher, when we make coffee, when we're teaching kids, when we're preaching sermons, uh, when we're sitting and being taught, when we come, whether prepared or unprepared, what's the why behind it, the why? So we know Jesus better. And it isn't so we get to keep him, it's so that we have a really soft heart so that whoever comes, when it's that awkward person who comes and you decided I'm sliding in because it's really full and I want them welcomed here, I don't want them to feel weird. The why is that person might, Be touched by Jesus Christ at that moment. That's the why. That's always the why. The big give. The why. If you got a hard heart about that, I'm sorry. You're going to miss out. The big give is an opportunity to take a campus over there in Manistee and finish it up so those people can get in the building. Right now they're over there uh, meeting in a place called the Armory, and it's really cool. I was was there uh, a a week ago, and uh, they're having all types of electrical issues and stuff this week. I guess I don't know. They're fine. John's over there, so he'll do it. But the thing is this. What if they have a new building? They got up at 3 a.m. this morning, they being us, since we're one church in two locations, to set up. And then they're all going to serve this morning. And then they're going to be there until later this afternoon, tearing it all down again. And they do it with glad hearts. And sometimes when I hear that and I think, oh, I was whiny because I had to slide in. That's a hard heart versus a soft heart. Have a soft heart.